1: Six well-known Palestinian political prisoners have escaped from the Bilboa prison, a maximum security Israeli-run facility in Palestine, in what Reuters described as a, quote, Hollywood-style escape, end quote. The prisoners escaped through a tunnel they dug in the prison floor over five months. On the day of the escape, the guard in charge of the area containing the tunnel entrance was asleep while on duty, and apparently the guards at the command center, where computer screens reveal the whole prison, were not paying attention. According to details in the Israeli press, as reported by Mint Press News, quote, human error, carelessness, and perhaps even the help of officers in the prison all led to the success of the prison break. End quote. Soon after September 10th, two of the men were captured by Israeli forces in Nazareth. In a previous episode, we reported on the case of Purvis Payne a black man with an intellectual disability who has been on Tennessee's death row for 33 years, always maintaining his innocence. More than 750,000 people have signed a petition supporting Payne's fight for justice, but he is still at risk of execution. In May, Payne's legal team filed a petition arguing that executing him would be unconstitutional because of his intellectual disability. Judge Paul Escon is set to hear this claim on, on December 30th, but the Tennessee Supreme Court could still set a new execution date at any time. Judge Sconn warned the lawyers that she doesn't have the authority to stay in execution should a date be set. In the last year, a groundswell of support for Mr. Payne has developed, and his case inspired the passing of a new law in Tennessee that requires the state to recognize the unconstitutionality of executing people with intellectual disabilities. His case has received support from a broad and diverse coalition, including former Solicitor General and Judge Ken Starr, Martin Luther King III, Brian Stevenson, Southern Christian Leadership Conference President Dr. Charles Steele, and Dan Duster, the grandson of Ida B. Wells. As Payne, who contracted COVID-19 when it ran rampant through prisons, awaits justice, Advocates are revving up their efforts and organized a series of events on September 8th to raise awareness for his case. Supporters from all over the country gathered for one hour to mark the one-year anniversary of the weekly rallies in Memphis to hashtag Free Purvis Payne. Quote, we are gathering to bear witness and to show our leaders that we are not going away until Purvis is free, end quote said Dr. Andre Johnson, organizer of the weekly Memphis Rallies. There is a growing crisis at New York City's Rikers Island Jail Complex, where 10 people have died this year. An enormous number of staff members have called out sick, and the conditions at Rikers have degraded since the beginning of the pandemic. Correction officers, who are granted unlimited sick time that was only recently subject to restraints, started to call in sick in unusually high numbers, Or simply stopped showing up. Jail officials reported that on average 2,000 officers were out sick or unable to work on a single day at certain points this summer. Conditions at the jail are bleak, areas are covered in garbage and urine, and some people in custody are being held in tiny showers where there is barely enough room to stand. Gangs and other detainees are ushering other incarcerated people to and from their dorms. Of the 10 people incarcerated at Rikers who have died this year, at least five died by suicide. The dead include Wilson Diaz Guzman, 30, who hanged himself in his cell in January, and Javier Velasco, 30, who was found unresponsive in March with a bedsheet wrapped around his neck. On August 10th, Brandon Rodriguez, 25, was found hanging in a shower in an intake area at the jail, and on August 30th, Segundo Gulapa, 57, was found dead in what the Department of Correction described as a suspected suicide. On Wednesday, the city's chief medical examiner said that the death of Thomas Carlo Camacho, 48, in March, had also been a suicide. Mr. Camacho was found unresponsive and on his knees with his head through a small opening in the cell door known as a cuffing slot. At least five more people have died on Rikers Island this year, Thomas Bronson III, 35, Richard Blake, 45, Jose Meja Martinez, 35, Robert Jackson, 42, and last week, Isaias Johnson, a 24-year-old man who was being held on $1 bail and whose family said he had struggled with mental illness. The vast majority of those being held at Rikers, as well as other city jails, are awaiting trial. As of September 3rd, there were about 6,000 people in custody at Rikers, Nearly 90% had not been tried and were presumed innocent. Jermaine Williams, New York City's public advocate, walked through the notorious Rikers Island complex on Monday and warned that a debacle like the revolt at the Attica prison in 1971 could play out at Rikers, and soon. The
2: entire incident that has erupted here at Attica is not a result of the dastardly bushwhacking of the two prisoners September 8th of 1971, but of the unmitigated oppression wrought by the racist administrative network of this prison throughout the year. We are men! We are not beasts and we do not intend to be beaten or driven as such. The entire prison populace, that means each and every one of us here, has set forth to change forever the ruthless brutalization and disregard the lives of the prisoners here and throughout the United States. What has happened here is but the sound before the fury of those who are oppressed. We will not compromise on any terms except those terms that are available to us. We call upon all the conscientious citizens of America to assist us in putting an end to the situation that threatens the lives of not only us, but of each and every one of you. We have set forth demands that will bring us closer to the reality of the demise of these prison institutions that serve no useful purpose to the people of America but to those who enslave and exploit the people of America. Our demands are such we want complete amnesty, meaning freedom from all and any physical, mental, and legal reprisals. We want now and safe transportation out of confinement to a non-imperialistic country. We demand that, fe- that the federal government intervene so that we will be under direct federal jurisdiction. We want a governor and the judiciary to guarantee that there will be no reprisals. And we want all facets of the media to articulate this. We guarantee the safe passage of all people to and from its institutions. We invite all the people to come here and witness this degradation, so that they can better know how to bring this degradation to an end. This is what we want. we want.
0: This month on the show, we're commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Attica Prison Uprising, a high point of the prisoners' movement of the 1960s and 70s. What you just heard was L.D. Barclay reading part of the Attica Prison Demands, Barkley did not survive the massacre. Now we have former Attica prisoner Joseph Hayden and attorney Elizabeth Fink speaking with the nation for their short documentary, The Attica Prison Uprising, 40 years later.
3: Attica makes no sense absolutely, you know, uh, in isolation from uh, uh, social and historical context that was taking place at the time. We're talking about Attica comes in the context of uh, the ending of the civil rights uh, movement the black power movement targeted by cointelpro and their leaders being brought down and uh it was generally a a period of pushback by the establishment and in the prisons all across america because of this pushback uh, the prisons were being filled with people that were involved in the movements
4: At Attica, um, there was a political group of people, and they were members of the Young Lords Party, they were members of the Black Panther Party. The BLA, the
3: Weathermen, Students for a Democratic Society, uh, all kinds of activity, the anti-Vietnam War. uh,
4: There was a huge Nation of Islam uh, contingent. So in Attica, you had a perfect storm
3: of, uh, of people engaged in challenging the system and uh, from the streets, from the jails and from the prisons
4: and they seemed to be directing them all to one place you know and it was Attica. The conditions were horrific the temperature sometimes got to be 119 degrees people made 56 cents a day they were allowed one shower every two weeks they were allowed one roll of toilet paper they had no right to read what they wanted to read There was no due process in the parole process. There were these two doctors, Sternberg and Williams, and they were incredibly vicious, incredibly racist, and hideously incompetent. And so the medical care was beyond horrifying. To go into these guys was awful.
0: Carlos Roche, another Attica prisoner, and Elizabeth Fink, described the events of the day.
4: The Attica prison riot was not planned. That's not what happened. That's not how this happens, right? Egypt shows us this, right? Things are spontaneous, right? Because people cannot take it anymore. And something happens that sparks it. And what happened at Attica to spark it was silly, but based on racism. I
5: remember September 8th, there was an incident in the yard about a football game, football practice.
4: Two of the members of the A block football team, a white man and a black man, Ray Lamori and Leroy Dewar, began to spar, right, as they were practicing for football. The guards saw this, they immediately assumed, right, that it was some kind of scene, and they tried to stop it.
5: That evening at lock in, they went to the cells and drove some guys out and took them to the box. and next morning, the place exploded. When it started, I was in the shower. I stepped out of the shower, and the world has changed. You know, I see a guy driving down the hallway on a forklift. At the end of the hallway, there was a gate, and he put the tongues up underneath the gate and started pulling it up. By the missile, the police was throwing tear gas canisters at this guy. other inmates was picking them up and throwing them back at the police. When the gate came down, that's when he ran. And I said, oh, wow, it's a new world.
4: They, they then opened up the whole prison, there, and what we had is a full-fetched riot. And there are hundreds, hundreds of people running through, smashing, taking people hostage, and there's this huge riot going on. There is no coordination. No one has planned this. This is happening and they all get into D yard and at that point it became a rebellion people could sleep they could see the sun they could see the sky they were free even though they were contained in this thing
2: we're looking now at a group on top of square control
5: there wasn't no no real leaders you know there were guys that
4: that that
5: knew what needed to be done and they stepped up and did
4: it. Everybody got together and they put together a list of 28 demands right away. The first of the 28 dem- demands were just basic, right? They asked that uh, Sternberg and Williams, the doctors, be fired and proper Medicare be put in. They asked for the ability to read what they wanted. They asked for more than 56 cents a day. They asked for more than one soap, more than one bar of soap a month. They asked for more than one shower every two weeks. They asked for more toilet paper. They asked for lawyers at parole hearings. They asked for inmate grievances. They asked for all of the, of the panoply of, of in, prisoners' rights, right, which essentially, then after what happened at Attica, did become pretty institutionalized across the board for about 10 years. And then the, the, the list expanded to 31 demands. And the last three demands. Were um, get rid of Mancusi. Uh, everybody got to go to a non-imperialist country, and the third being complete amnesty. And so
3: it looked like things were under control, but the administration was put in a position where they couldn't back down. You know, they couldn't set a precedent that would then sweep the country. It was presented, and
5: you know, the next move was on the state. You know. Yeah, they acknowledge getting it. But their minds was already made up.
0: And we now return this week to Frank Smith, known as Big Black, who was a prisoner at Attica who participated in the uprising and successfully organized the security for outside negotiators who entered the prison. He was ferociously tortured by guards in retaliation for his participation in the rebellion and gave the interview we're sharing today while being held in extended solitary confinement after the uprising. This was recorded in February 1972, just months after the rebellion. A state official was present for the interview for purposes of intimidation and surveillance, which imposed limits on what Frank was actually able to say about the uprising itself. In this episode, he talks more about the societal structures that helped lead to the Attica rebellion. Capitalism, racism, and a skewed judicial system.
6: As long as you take a man, a person or a woman and treat them as a beast, you're going to always have a problem in these concentration camps. You will always have one. It will exist independently of everything. It will exist always because what is happening in these institutions is the most cruel and unhuman punishment and treatment that any person can be exposed to. And believe me, I'm a victim of it. I know. I'm not speaking about what someone told me. I'm telling you what I know as a fact. I know so good because when I walk out that door, I don't even know whether or not I get back to my cell. That's how much my life worth. If I go in my cell, I don't know whether or not I wake up in the morning. That's how much it's worth. Because I know my life don't worth one penny. But to me, It's worth more than anything that you could give me. Because as I told you before, my life is for my people. And as long as I live, I'm going to think about this. I don't care what you do, what you say, meaning administration. My ideology will always remain because death is now. I couldn't be no further dead than I am now. That's what's happening in these institutions. Not here, everywhere. The same problem exists and it's going to continue to exist until the people do something about the government of these states and the executive of this United States. They are talking about implementing Different laws. All right. They're speaking about this. As I spoke before, it's rhetoric. Okay. We speak about this. We listen. Solid on that. When the change going to come. When will it be? When my son that's 15 and my daughter that's 14 be 40 and I be 80? Still going to be the problem. Still going to exist. I don't care what they do, until they do what they're supposed to do to human beings, the problem is still going to exist. What I see is this for the people in the street, I see, wake up, stop hiding. Stop talking about it don't exist. Stop talking about you don't understand it. Stop talking about that cold water flat you live in is good enough for you. Stop talking about where you in jail and uh, you getting three meals a day. Other than that, wake up because the same thing is happening to me is happening to you. And deal, petition, rallies. Let the people, let the governor, let the president and the people that are in a position to do something about this, know how you feel about your sons and your daughters. That's incarcerated. Other than that, wake up because nothing comes to a sleeper but a dream. And that's what they're doing. It's sleeping. A lot of them. A lot of them is aware and won't do nothing. And a lot of them is aware that they're doing something. And I say now, thank God for them. And I thank God for the ones that's not doing. And I only hope that somewhere along the line that they be enlightened to the extent that they can see the problem before it's too late. Because the brothers of the Atticus and the sisters of the women institutions, concentration camps, is more aware in 1972 than they have ever been aware in their life because the problem exists. And we know this. And it exists not only here, all over the world. People is being oppressed and repressed. And until they do something about it, the people in the street is waking up and start acting and stop acting and start moving and start expressing their thoughts about their sons and their daughters and their fathers, then it's gonna still exist. But knowing that they know and we care about them knowing and want them to know and they are concerned about what is happening with the brothers and the sisters in these institutions, then that make us more aware that the problem does exist. You want to talk some about uh, uh,
5: the
4: process that sends you up here to the, uh, the
6: judicial system? Uh, uh, your own experience in court but was, I don't know what, what you here for Well, you, you're speaking about the judicial uh, department. Well, there's another form. Uh, better still, is another system. Because I'm quite sure that you're familiar with the word Judas, you understand? So the judicial department is formed through people, robots, them all, because we all know that money is the support of this rich country, this rich country, the richest country in the world, the United States. Money supports that. Everybody. Money, the big businessman. That's the man that control the whole system. And we all know this, because if he withdraw, wouldn't be nothing left. Now, I was convicted of a robbery one and a grand one and assault two. March tenth, uh, sixty-five, I got rearrested for this charge. I went to trial and I blew. I got errors in my trial a mile long. I have been fighting my case to the Second Circuit Court up until the time ninth. I had no further proceedings. I can't take no further proceedings until I get my papers because the big head hog of the institution, for some reason, unbeknown to me, took it upon himself to destroy all of our legal work and clothes and personal property totally destroyed it. Why? He don't have to answer for that. People should know why. What did the clothes do? The clothes made the difference because you wear them? Is that the reason they was destroyed? Is he authorized to do this? Who authorized him to do this? The governor? Is he authorized to do this? That's evading. Or depriving a man of his privacy. His property. This is his. That's the only thing that I have to perfect my case with. My briefs, my records. But he destroyed these. He burned them. He buried them. Took our legal books. No doubt in my mind distributed them to the law library. Or some of them wrong. But we don't even get that. I have nothing left but two shirts out of everything that I had and one opposition from the second circuit court out of all of my papers. And the record will show if anybody want to investigate how many proceedings and how many times that I have been in the court and all of those papers was at hand. But luckily enough, I got a few brothers in here that's more enlightened with the law that can help the brothers that don't know in order to get back in the courts. But now, the problem is, once you get in the court, what happens then? There's some form of technicality that still deprive you of your constitutional rights. So you don't get known consideration there. They got myself as one. I'm doing a 10 to 15 year bid. Other than that time, my minimum is 10 years. My maximum is 15. I'm supposed to go to see the parole board after I do six years and eight months. Up to date, I done did seven years flat. Never been to a parole board. I lost six one days since I've been incarcerated. Somewhere through the mechanism of the institution, they have taken four months from me. As it stand now, I can't go out until I do seven years and three months, which is May. 1972. I have received no disciplinary action in order to lose this time. What happened? Why? I am a victim. I am being victimized by the system. The judicial system. And the system of this institution. There's no explanation. What can they explain to me? All they can explain is that I lost 61 days through Bad conduct and keep locks. I understand. I consent to this. What happened to that other time? Who going to explain this? How you going to tell me that you just going to take my time without any reason? Who authorized you to do this? That goes back to thinking for me, acting for me, and being me. That's the same thing that I've been telling you on our old interview. That's what's happening. I think I'm supposed to take it, so I'm going to take it. I think that this is mine, so I cots. You aren't supposed to have it. I'm going to take it and keep it. So other than that, everybody take it upon themselves to do the things which they call is right. But I'm going to tell you something. If anything change, it change for the worse. And that's a fact. And I would be more than pleased to see someone that's independently of all come and investigate the conditions in these institutions, such as outstanding citizen. He can be a dog if he wanna, but if he's qualified to know right from wrong, investigate, be what color he might be. Because what is happening? from the Judicial Department to the Correction Department it's against all constitutional rights and humane rights. And those are facts. And everybody in the world can know what I'm telling you. And I stand on it as long as I live. And will tell anybody the same thing I'm telling you.
0: The full interview was originally broadcast by WBAI, and we share the selection now, courtesy of Pacifica Radio Archives. The audio of Barkley and Smith is available via the Freedom Archives. We'll have links to our other episodes about the Attica Prison Rebellion on our website, KiteLineRadio.org. This has been KiteLine. After a brief hiatus, we're happy to report that our prisoner call in phone line is back. Folks on the inside or their outside friends and supporters can call 765 343 6236 to record a message to be played on the air. Please share this number widely and we'll try to answer and air all messages possible. Again, that's 765 343 6236. You can follow Kite Line Radio on all social media platforms. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Thank you for listening.